All right, let's jump into the Bible. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. If uh, you're using the YouVersion Bible app, you can just open that up, hit the more button in the bottom right-hand corner, then events, and all of your notes and Bible verses plus bonus content is available in there for you right here, right now. We're gonna jump to the Bible. First, I just paced for no reason. First Samuel 16, verse one. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Here's to break it down. Here's what happened. Saul was the king of Israel. He was the first ever king of Israel. Saul disobeyed God. He went his own way, did his own thing after God gave him that place, gave him that position, plucked him from obscurity. He went his own way. So God said, listen, you can be king until the end of your natural days, but guess what? I've got another one coming. So he sent Samuel, who is the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel, to go and find the next king. Now, God already knew who it was, but he sent Jesse to the house of this person's uh, what did I say? Sent Samuel to Jesse's house to get the next king. Samuel rose up, rolls up in there, meets Jesse, says, I'm here. We're going to anoint the next king. Jesse's pumped because he's going to get an upgrade by being the dad of the king. And he's like, I'm going to get a Rolls. And uh, he's really, that was a joke about Rolls Royces. It was pretty good. Um, if you don't think it's funny, but you feel like I'm making a joke, just laugh anyways. It's going to make today go a lot better. Um, He's going to get an upgrade. So he brings out the firstborn, the oldest son, named Eliab. And Samuel's like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This guy is tall, dark, handsome. He's strong. He's strapping. He's good looking. Surely this must be the Lord's anointed. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's not. I know. It just happens that way. It's kind of like, you know, you apply for that dream job that you've always wanted and you get it and you're describing it to your friends and your family. You're like, listen, I get this dream job. I'm only going to do the things that I love. That's it. Plus there's an endless supply of bagels and coffee. And you're like, wow, I've just, I've, I've lived my life to have a job where there's office bagels nonstop. And then you get working and you tell the same group of friends, listen, you know, this dream position isn't all that it was cracked up to be. I'm working really hard doing all these like little tiny things and details. And I'm doing the thing that I love like two hours, like a week. That's it. And plus office bagels are overrated. It's like expectation versus reality. It's kind of like you see that person, the person of your dreams, you know, and you're like, wow, oh my goodness, they're everything I could have ever hoped or dreamed for. Kind of like tall, dark, and handsome. You're like, whoa. And then you, you literally turn to your friends and family, family, not you, Seb, and you turn to your <laughs> friends and your family, and you're like, how can somebody be so perfect? And then you get into the relationship, and you're like, how can some person be so incredible, so incredibly flawed? How? How can somebody look so right but be so wrong? For me, it's kind of like, you know, me, I, you know, I've been hitting up the gym and uh, so I got some reasonable expectations to look like the rock. Like that's my reasonable expect in two months. Um, and so expectation versus reality. I want to look like the rocks in two months. In reality, I'm losing my hair. So at least I'm like on my way to looking a little bit more like the rock. Uh, 
every day, every shower is just, I'm weeping into my transformation. And it's totally, it's totally fine. Expectation versus reality. That's what happens right here. We pick up the story in verse 8. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But guess what? Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse uh, summoned Shemaiah, which is a great name. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Is this all the sons you have? Now, that is not a question that you should be asking a dad. Uh did you invite all your sons to the party where I'm going to name one of them king? <laughs> That's not really a conversation you should have to have with a dad because you would hope that a dad would remember to invite all of his sons. But turns out, one was not there. <laughs> and he's like, ah, uh, but wait, there's more. There's one more. He's out in the field. He's taking care of sheep. And... Are you sure you want that one? He's like, well, none of these ones are working out for me, so bring whatever you got. How could you forget you have a son? And he's like, well, uh, you know, uh, awkward moment. <laughs> Don't judge me. It's like, I am. And centuries, the Bible, we're reading it. We judge them century after century. What a terrible father. It's like, what is this, home alone? You can realize you're missing a child. But this kid that we're talking about who would later be chosen as the king by God is this little guy that was known as David. You know, David, the guy with the rock and the sling, the giant slayer kind of David who would later go on to be king, that kind of David, the real deal. David, who's like the greatest, one of the greatest kings in the history of of, of the earth and Israel. David, the one that is described in Acts 13, verse 22, as a man after God's own heart, David, that kind of David. The David who, though his father forgot about him, who, who was an afterthought, also was God's chosen king. Just because you feel like you're an afterthought in somebody else's storyline doesn't mean that God is done with you or that you're finished because the truth is you haven't even gotten started yet. That God has purposed you, he's called you, he's chosen you, he's got a direction for you. And though you feel like you've been forgotten, you've been overlooked, that, that people see right through you, you feel like you're just kind of floating through life and you're waiting for your time and your moment. You just feel like everybody's forgotten. God wants you to know that you are not an afterthought. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you today. He sees you today. I want to show you something that's in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 16, 12, this is just right in there. And you're going to be like, wow can't believe this was there. It's a revelation alert. Here we go. First Samuel 16, verse 12. We've never done those before. We should get like a sound. Revelation alert. Okay. We'll get our own engaged goal cops. Every Anyways. So many bad ideas happened right on the stage. Okay. First Samuel 16, 12. So Jesse sent for him, meaning David, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Now, we're not describing me. We're describing the Bible. It's David. Okay? I'm going to put this in my bio, though, when I go speak places. Okay. And you might be, th- and the Lord said this is the one anoint him. Now, you might be wondering, why do you bring this up? But I'm wondering, why is this in the Bible? Like, who wrote that down? Who decided that it was important to write that he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes? What significance does this carry for us? Well, if it's in the Bible, it must carry something. What it carries is that we have to understand that David looked a lot like his brothers. Shocker. 
Brothers look like brothers. He was dark. He was handsome. He was strong. He was courageous. He was tall. He was the total package. He was everything that Eliab was. He was everything that Shemaiah was. He was all of those things. He was the embodiment of all those things that made Samuel go, this must be our guy. David was the total package. But people did not see it in him. It wasn't because he was not it. It was just because somebody saw, didn't see it in them. You might be in a season of your life where it feels like people are looking right through you, but it does not mean that you are not equipped and created and made for this moment and for this time. The truth is somebody else might, might just kind of overlook you. You might be an afterthought in somebody else's mind, but God created you. He made you. He knit you together. He even went as far as to call you his masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. And so he put that in there so that we would know that David was everything, but somebody missed it. And just because somebody missed it, a man missed it, doesn't mean that Jesus is going to miss it in your life. Just because your mom or your dad missed it, doesn't mean that Jesus is missing it. Just because that mentor didn't see it, just because the boss didn't give you the promotion, just because that person left you in that relationship, just because they couldn't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. It just means they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. You're not an afterthought. Why is this in the Bible? (laughs) Because they were distracted by who he was now, not They could not see who he could be. They were distracted by maybe his age, his immaturity, the way he handled things. They were distracted by the stage of life that he was in. But this stage of life does not define who you are for the rest of your life. And this stage of life is not necessarily an indicator of the plan and purpose that God has for you. So if you feel like you've been overlooked or you feel like someone's like, oh, we can't use this guy. We can't do anything with this. That's not true. They missed David. His dad forgot he existed. Hashtag daddy issues. (laughs) Hey, dad, uh, so how come you didn't invite me? They they actually had a dinner. He's like, dad, how come you didn't invite me to this, like, dinner uh, where they were naming one of your sons king, and I just happened to be one of your sons, and I know I'm the king now, but uh, just kind of wondering why you didn't invite me to the party. Well, son, pretty simple. I forgot you existed. But here's the incredible thing. David was in these fields with these sheep and with these goats doing the things that nobody else in the family wanted to do. It was in those moments, in that quiet, in that isolation, in what might even feel like a desolate place, that the Lord began to develop him a character and also began to develop him a closeness to himself. It was in that place of obscurity that the intimacy with God was developed, the intimacy that would set him apart from every man that walked this earth because nobody else has ever been described as a man after God's own heart. It's one thing to describe uh, you as being like somebody else. It's another thing to have your life be described as like God. That's a whole another thing. Hey, who are you like? Oh, you remind me of somebody. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's, uh, Wow. That's incredible. That obscurity, that place of silence and quiet is also the place where he learned to write psalms, which is also the place where he developed the gift, talent, skills, and ability to write the most famous book of the Bible known as the Psalms. You know that, that Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, the only one that you kind of know the words to? That was written by King David. That all came from those days and those moments and those times of isolation and quiet where he could hone in on his craft and develop to be transformed into the man that he was created to be. Today, I want want you to walk away with one thought. If, If that's all we could get into you, one thought. 
Simply, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. Psalm 147 puts it like this. It says that he counts the stars and calls them all by name. Did you know that not even NASA can do that? (laughs) Like there's a lot of stars, so they can maybe count them or guesstimate based on a formula and extrapolation of the whatever. Like if you watch Big Bang Theory, you'll figure it out. But God not only has the ability to know how many stars are placed in every galaxy and every universe, but he has enough creative capacity to name each and every one. You know how hard it is to name one child? or one dog, or one hamster. You know how hard that is? He names every star. We don't even know how many that is. So if he can name every stars, and he's got the creative capacity to care about countless number of stars, don't you think maybe he's got the countless creative capacity to care about you? Matthew 10.30 takes it one step further, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Lord only knows how many are up here. Literally, he only knows. And he cares about the smallest details. If he cares about how many hairs are on your head, don't you think he cares about what you're going through, the season of life that you're in, the stage that you're in? Don't you think that he loves you passionately? Don't you think that, that he might know your name? Oh, wait, he does. John 10, verse 3. We were there a few weeks ago. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Not only does God know how many stars are in the sky, he knows how many hairs are on your head, and he knows you personally by name. Now, you might be trying to forget his name, but he knows yours, and he is coming after you. You are not forgotten. But what can happen in our effort to not be forgotten is we begin to change who we are. We begin to change into a chameleon. We, we change our colors. We change our skin. We try and adapt and fit into a mold or a model that somebody else has shaped or determined for us. We want to move in, in this direction or go this way. And so we just go, okay, I'm going to have to change myself if I'm going to be that person. You start, you start you know, trying to make things happen for yourself by, de- by being somebody else. And ultimately, you end up feeling like you're lost because you're just like, now where do I go? I'm a different person living a different life. I never thought I would end up here. The reason that you feel that way is simply because you made the choice to do Jesus' job. He created you. He handcrafted you. He put gifts, talents, abilities, personality, character, strengths. He put all those things into you. And when you take charge... And you say, no, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be this person, and I'm going to be those things. Then you are uh, consciously choosing to separate yourself from Jesus because you're saying, I can do this better than you can. And when you consciously separate yourself from Jesus, you begin to ask this question, why do I feel so lost? Why do I feel like I can't figure out what's next? Why do I feel like I just, I don't know where to go next, what my next play is, what my next plan is. The reason you can't find your next play or your next plan is because you've separated the, yourself from the person who creates the plays and the plans. You said, hey, I don't need any of that. Jesus, you just take a step back. You can't even find north because your compass is broken because you said, Jesus, I want nothing to do with you. And you threw it as far away from you as you can. The reason you feel lost isn't because you're not good enough. It's just because you made a choice to go your own way. 
Jesus says, how about you let me do what only I can do, and then you do what only you can do, and together we can find purpose, wholeness, completeness in life. When we let Jesus do what only Jesus can do, we are free to become all that he created us to be because we come into alignment. Now what happens is we find ourselves in these moments of incredible tension, uncomfortable, uncomfortability. Like it's just, I'm wrecking the stage. It's just uncomfortable. You might even say, it feels like you're, you're terrified of it because you just feel this strain and this tension. You know, Psalm 127, it says that children are a gift from the Lord and they're like arrows in a quiver. So follow this with me. God is our father, we are his children. Therefore, we are arrows in the hand of the archer. He wants to release us into our future and a destiny. But the only way that he can shoot or release an arrow is if you put tension on the bow. So you might be in a season where you feel like you're feeling this incredible tension, this pulling like you've been drawn back. It could it be that that tension, that that discomfort, that 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 very feeling is actually not meant to destroy you, but meant to propel you into the next season? Could it be that when you're following Jesus, that He's putting some tension on the bow so He can get ready to shoot you and release you? So don't wiggle out of the way because you're just going to misfire and misfire and misfire. If you've identified three, four, five moments in your life where you wiggled out of the way when you were feeling tension, that could be the root cause of your disappointment right now and your frustration. Don't wiggle away from the tension. The tension is the tool that will move you forward. It will release you into the next season, to the next stage, into the destiny that Jesus has for you. This is who Jesus is, Colossians 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. So you're trying to figure out what to do next. You only can keep in mind the things that you see. That's why we trust Jesus, because he sees the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Did you know that when we follow Jesus, and we do this one step at a time, when the winds of opposition come our way for things that are seen and unseen. We can do something. They do this in car racing. When you're walking into the wind of opposition and Jesus is in front of you, you just duck down behind him and he becomes a shield and all that wind of opposition just blows by you and you're drafting right behind Jesus. You're moving faster than you ever thought you could to move forward into what God has for you and that wind isn't holding you back anymore because Jesus is pushing the wind back. He's holding it back and it's going all around him when you choose to go your own way. The full force of that wind and that opposition blows in your face. That's why we get behind Jesus because everything was created through him and for him and if anyone knows how to navigate these seasons of life, it's Jesus Christ himself. All right. I want to drop 16 important thoughts on you right now. And you're like, excuse me? Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to give you 16 verses and phrases 
that tells you who you are in Jesus. You're like, oh my goodness, how we're gonna make it through 16. You're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. Turn to someone and say, I'm gonna make it. But we're gonna declare these things together. Chris is gonna help me out, we're gonna roll. Okay, here we go. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. Say it with me, I am chosen. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan uh, from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Say, I am called of God. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God in the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Say, I am changed. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Say, I'm a new creation. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Say, I am forgiven. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Say, I am blessed. And they have defeated him, they being us, him being Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I am victorious. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So what we're saying is, and you will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. Say, I am set free. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Say, I am strong personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds you are healed say i am healed so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus say i'm free from condemnation and all of this is a gift from god who brought us back to himself through christ and god has given us this task reconciling people to him, meaning he made things right with us, and it's our job to help make things right with everybody else. Say, I am reconciled. And since we are his children, we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Here's what that means. God is our Father, and all the kids get an inheritance. Say, I am joint heirs. That's a terrible, I should say we are joint heirs, but let's roll with it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who love to say, I'm more than a conqueror. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Say, I am accepted. So, you are also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Say, I am complete. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I know God's got a great plan and a purpose for you, and I know that it's not a mistake that you're listening to this message today. So if you want to reach out, if you need someone to talk to, feel free to send us an email, hello at engagechurch.ca. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church, you want to come check us out live and in person uh, for the real deal, then get all the information online at engagechurch.ca. I'm Brett. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're running or you're at the gym right now, you got this. Go get it.